Are you recording? When the time's moving, it's recording. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hiya, and welcome to The Jewel Case with me, John Darcy. It has been a while. It has been a minute. It's been quite a few minutes, because the last episode I did was way back earlier in the year. It's now November already. I'm another year older now. Oh, who's that voice in the background? There is another voice. I was going to butt in there and say, it's not just you anymore, John Darcy. It's you and me, Leonie Pony. What? Right, right, because we've been missing The Jewel Case, and you're busy with a proper job, so I thought it was time for someone... To fill your boots. So basically, me and Leonie were uh, doing a gig. Leonie and I. Leonie and I were doing a gig the other week, and she basically propositioned me and told me that someone needed to take over the jewel case in my absence. I felt quite strongly about it. So your plan, your master <laughs> plan, is that you're also like me, uh, friends with a bunch of artists in Northern That's Ireland, true. and you can chat to them and record it. Yeah, how, how hard can it be, right? <laughs> well, we're about to find out. Well, I'm about to find out. <laughs> Famous words. Oh, no. We hear the last time we heard from you on the jewel case was, oh, was it a year ago? Almost a it's year a- ago. And uh, the, people will be able to check that out online if you want to go I'm to sure the jewel case sure archives to listen back to the yeah, first oh, time yeah, me they- and Leonie met. It was in her bedroom. It was a nice, confined, sound, isolated environment. But today we are in the lush <laughs> setting of the Sonic Arts Research Centre. Which is not Belfast. as nice as my bedroom, but it's still pretty fancy. It's different taste, different yeah, strokes for different bit. folks. Yeah, it is a little um, bit. And this is where you're going to have your first takeover episode of the Jewel Case. So who's your guest? Una Doherty. Who's that? Una Doherty is only the singularly most exciting dance artist working in Northern Ireland today. Wow, and she yeah. actually, I, I'm pretending I don't know who she is. I do know because of I saw you know, her Of course you know, because we saw her show, show on Thursday. Don't let on like you don't know, John. I was at the uh, premiere of Hard To Be Soft at Belfast And there's Prayer. really excitement about it, isn't there? There's real buzz. I mean, she's created a really good following. People are really interested in what she's doing because she is, because she's really interesting, isn't she? Well, I think this was like one of the highlight shows of the Belfast Festival yeah. this year. Everyone was dead excited. It was like their headliner had finished the festival. Yeah, and it was built Saturday. up quite a uh, reputation. But also David Holmes did the soundtrack. So yeah. there's there's a massive buzz around the whole thing. And uh, it was amazing. And there rightly so, it deserved after. it. It was yeah, so good. Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I saw it on, on Saturday on the, on the closing night. But she is a super exciting artist I'll tell you what made me think of wanting to do a podcast with Una is because I was doing a two day workshop down on Sligo in theatre blah 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 and an actress <laughs> what hold on in theatre blah 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 in that theater. was the most lovey thing I've ever heard anyone say ever Love? no it wasn't I, I'm just trying to I'm trying to cut to the in, the workshop was really interesting but more about that again but I'm trying to cut to the interesting part John and the interesting part was one of the actresses <laughs> we're on break time and she said to me in sort of hushed excited tones she said hey, do you know Una Doherty? And I was really chuffed for myself to be able to say, yeah, yeah, I know her. I know her really well, actually. Thanks very much. And then people started gathering around and they wanted to hear all about Una because she is the talk of the town. People are really excited about her. And rightly so, yeah. because she is an incredibly interesting artist. Anyway, we're going to talk to her later. So I was delighted to be able to say, yeah, I know Una Doherty. I went to college with her. I've worked with her loads. So I've known her for youngs. And in college, in college, in first year, so this, we're talking 12 years ago now, we were in London Contemporary Dance School. And she organized a showcase of 
work by first years because that didn't happen in the school. You only mm. got to you only got to showcase your work from second year on. But she organized one for the first years. And I remember watching her, she did a solo performance in that showcase. And I remember thinking to myself, why are the rest of us here? We needn't bother. Everybody just go home now. Una is she is out in her own. She is wow. an illegal and she was an illegal role back then and she still is. She's still out on her own. So what a perfect guest for your first dual kiss takeover. And you know, a a good, nice, soft start because you're friends and go way back. So hopefully, you know, your podcast etiquette will be on form. John, what are you trying to say here? (laughs) My podcast etiquette on form. What are you telling me? You just turn the microphone on and have a chat, you know. Come on, that's exactly what you do. That's exactly what you do, John, and everybody knows it. There's a fine art craft to making it sound like you're just talking crap, but, but you're, you're actually having a structured. Well, if it gives you if it gives you any assurances, John, I've made some notes. <gasps> I have you know a small plan in my mind Great. as to what I might ask her. So you probably got, you're probably going to cover the show "Hard to Be Soft" I'm that was at co- the festival. Yeah. All that stuff. Cover the backstory. Bit of that, yeah. Just don't end on the whole, and what's your plans next? You know, what's up ne- but next? Can I ask her that though? I, I mean, will ask her what her plans are. find a more interesting way of asking it. You know? What do you think I should ask is my final question. Um, something that digs really deep to the core of a contemporary dancer's practice. Ooh. Well, I'll have to think about that. I don't and know what that is. Yeah, what is? Yeah. So I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to think about it. Thanks, John. Listeners, I am going to get out of here and leave Leonie to it. First Jewel Kiss Takeover by Leonie Pony. Uh, Wish me luck, folks. (laughs) The next voice you hear will be Leone chatting to none other than award-winning dancer from Northern Ireland in a Doherty. And here she is, it's Una Doherty. Hey! How are you? I'm really good. Are you feeling exhausted after the shows of the weekend or what? what's what's going on for you now? I'm a bit exhausted from the shows and from the party after the shows. Yeah, I was But I feel a bit of freedom as well because it's all been done. And are you happy about how it went? I'm really happy because you know when it's the first show and it's about Belfast and it's here, you don't know how they're going to take it. Like you prepare yourself for people to walk out because you just never know. So I always prepare for the worst to be like, people are going to be raging and they're going to leave. And everybody stood up and clapped and everybody liked it. So Everybody loved it. Yeah. I mean, it was a brilliant piece of work. How long are you working on it? A year. Wow. Yeah. And the thing with your stuff is, um, it's like a series of works. You know, Hope Hunt and Lazarus and that they all lead into each other. Yeah, well, it just kind of happened by accident. It's not like, I would love to say that I had this amazing concept and plan of making a big series, but I was just Did like, you not? I just got really into something like the Hope Hunt. So I got into like doing the Smix and that kind of rhythm of the boys. And then when I finished that, Rosh Goen invited me to do a little short work in the gallery. So I did Lazarus. The gallery did, in the Mac. I saw that as well. Yes. Mac, yeah. yeah. So Lazarus came like after doing Hope Hunt, which basically meant that I just did like in eight minutes, everything I was trying to say in Hope Hunt, I did in eight minutes. And then, um, and what can I ask you? What are yeah. you trying to say? Or is that a really boring question? Because it's just better to go see your shows. Or what are you trying to say? Well, I suppose it's not like clear what I'm trying to say. But I was interested. I was looking at old photographs on Google of riots in mm. Belfast 
um, and all like the young lads with the scarves around their heads and like throwing bricks and the peelers grabbing them. And then at the same time, I was just like by accident looking at Caravaggio paintings and they kind of looked similar. There was same kind of shapes that the bodies were doing. So I was trying to make little things that have happened in Belfast, like riots and like street life and turn it into like a really glamorous kind of Renaissance epic theatre thing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, now, <laughs> now that you say that and I've seen it, I can see I can see what you mean. But I was reading, also, who was I reading? What's her name? The poet, Kate Tempest, yeah. had a book called, uh, what's the book called now? I'm not going to remember it now. Basically where she writes this short poem book about... Um, glorifying and making saints out of like the people who are standing in the queue for the dole and stuff like that so she made them into into gods and I was really interested in her poetry and then like having a cup of coffee in the town and looking around at people on the street so that kind of um, making every day into like gods because I don't really believe in religion anymore anymore as does that mean you used to well, I was brought up like as a Catholic mm. or whatever. We went to church when yeah, I was same. a kid, and maybe when I was like seven, I believed in God. Yeah, but I don't know if I really believe in religion anymore. And um, do you feel you're seeking a new one, or do you feel people I need think, a new one? I think I'm trying to draw attention to people to look at other people and treat them as gods, and then maybe we might treat each other better rather than treating each other bad because there is another God. Ah, something like that. Wowza. Like the Buddhists and all do stuff like that, you know, like mm. there's a God inside you. Um, so I don't know if that's what the show's about, but that was floating around in my mind while I was dancing and working with other people. Interesting, because I think with your, I always feel your work, well, I don't know how to say this, and this is why I'm talking to you and I can ask you this, that like you say, you're not, you don't do you set out a mission of wanting to say something or are you just making things because you have this you have this need and you have this want and you have this will to make stuff and then what you say is a byproduct then yeah what, what's the starter so the starter is always like I'll just see a show in my head ah, okay like yeah. I'll see it and then I'll start trying to develop it with other people and then when you're working with other dancers you have to explain yourself a little bit so that they can get into the groove. Yeah. So that makes it a bit clearer. And then what happens though is then when you do your first kind of like R&D showing or stuff or someone writes about it, then a critic or another person starts saying that it's about a certain thing yes, that and you either go completely against it or you kind of embrace that and that and that comes um, along with you as you develop it more and more. And has that happened to you in the process of these works that you've made? Yeah, I don't think I set out to make um, shows about gender and masculinity. It just came out of me. But then that's the way that the outside press has hooked on to. Yeah. And then I have to be open and realise that, yeah, that that's is... That's what's coming across. That's what's coming across in the show. So I have to stand by and have a point to say about it. But that's not the be-all and end-all of it, if you know what I sure. mean. Sure. Because you do have a very male energy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, but we all have a bit of boy and girl in mm, us, you know? Yeah, for sure. And in different points in your life, you'd be more girly or then you'd be more tomboyish and the same yeah. for boys and all. You just go through phases and it's connected to fashion and what you're watching on TV and what you're listening to and what your who who your friends are and all. So I remember when you were in Trash in Holland, and 
Am I correct in saying this? Do I remember the story correctly? That you, the, a critic described you, I think it was in a solo performance, and they described you as androgynous. Yeah, I had a shaved head. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you there was slightly one... took umbrage to that though, did you? Did you feel a bit, uh, you weren't so impressed with that or were you indifferent to that? I can't remember now, but probably, uh, probably I was back then. I can't really remember, but um, it's probably annoying whenever anybody says, you're like that. Yeah. Then you're like, oh, okay, I am a bit like that. I'll try and be something a bit different too. Because you don't want to be one thing. No. But I think from doing it all like trash and then hope hunt and then hard to be soft and everything and playing boys all the time, it's helped me to be a bit more girly in my real life. So maybe subconsciously, I don't know, mm. I did it to be more girly. Yeah, potentially. I yeah, I don't know. It's interesting, isn't it? And I'm still not that girly, but like I've grown my hair long and all. And, and you wear earrings. Earrings are pretty, like dangly. You've got dangly silver earrings yeah. on there. They're pretty girly. Yeah, you definitely go through phases because I've seen you. I, I was saying I recorded an intro with John and was saying how I know you from college. Mm -hmm. And that's 11, 12 years ago or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you were definitely came across as much more masculine than you had a shaved head. and you had, But you had a lot more... I think by then you had a lot more anger. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah, like you totally. were angrier in college. Yeah. You, had, you were you had a kind of a rage going on. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I wasn't totally okay all the time because um, I like I came from St. Louis's, so there was only like five or six of us in dance in the mm. dance class, and I was like one of the best ones in the dance class. And then you go to the place, and there's thirty of you in a class, and you're not the best. And I not the best technically. Yeah, and I just um, wasn't, I wasn't that mature. I think when you first knew me whenever I was in dance college mm. um, and I couldn't handle not being the best and that came out in strange ways and some of the ways would be like being really punk and really being really boyish and going out all the time and not giving a shit and being a bit... Um, I, I built up a bravado as a protection to be like, oh, I'm not really good. I'm not the best. So it was a classic case of covering insecurity. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like I know now after doing that show at the weekend and how big the show and all was and then everyone liking it but also saying it's so much about you. It was hard to handle because like to really be aware of how big your own ego is, is like mm. my ego is like massive. It's fascinating. doesn't mean you're a bad person. Not at all. But I have a heavy duty ego like and at least I'm mature enough now to know that, you know. Yeah. And I think maybe at the place when we were back at college and all, I was pretending that I didn't have a big ego and then that made me, that made my energies imbalanced and maybe made me a bit aggressive. Mm. Not that, <laughs> we hung out loads when we were in college and we worked together loads. I mean, we had a great time. We had, yeah. I remember having a blast with you in college, but sometimes finding that, whoa, Una could go off the rails here and we really don't know how this is going to go. Yeah, yeah. That you had moments of, oh, I can't really trust where this is going to go with Una. It's a bit... A bit touch and go. But I was also saying to John, and I'm going to repeat this angle really quickly. You gave me really good advice though, which I only knew was advice like like seven years later or something. Remember outside college, we were doing pony dance and we were supposed to go and do another thing. Oh, and yeah. you said to me, no, you're not coming to do the show. And it was because I was so full yeah. of drugs and running around yeah. being mad head that you were like, we can't really take you. And I was raging. But yeah. years later, I'm like, you know what? She was trying to make a dance show and I was being a nihilist and I probably would have destroyed the show. And I was also pregnant at the time, remember? Yeah. So I was sort of extra vulnerable because, uh, yeah, I was 
You don't need a punk bouncing around. Yeah, I was highly worried about having a punk. As brilliant as you as you were. Because, I mean, you were brilliant then and you're brilliant now. But but I think I love the fact that you you have taken that you had a lot of energy or rage or demons. Like you acknowledge as well about having a lot of demons then that mm-hmm. you have that you've cultivated all these demons into a really good energy and you're now making world class international <laughs> festival work on a really large scale. So it's a great um it's a great progression, isn't it? Yeah, well I'm lucky I've found a job that lets me yeah. <laughs> play with that jazz. <laughs> yeah, but you've worked really hard at it. I mean, yeah. you've had to. You've worked really hard consistently since then. You know what, though? Like you brought in Ira to pony dance yeah, as Ira well. Yeah, Ira Seidenstein, Yeah, and he's taught me like loads of what I don't. I didn't realize I was doing on stage all the time. Yeah. Of like um, all the stuff that you've have in your in your life, which I call the nervous system, which some you're aware of and some you're not aware of, comes out in your movement no matter what show you're doing. Yeah. So if you can like practice that, then you can. Yeah, you can flush out and use your demons um, for a good reason in a show. I don't know if that makes total sense. Yeah, it does make but sense. You know, like actors would use something to make themselves cry when they need to cry in the yeah. scene. I That's think method dan- dancers, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, method dancing, basically. So I guess you were just getting really in tune with yourself. You were accessing the most honest, buried part of you. Yes, I think so, but sometimes I'm not completely fully aware of it because it just comes and goes during the performance. Mm. Um, so I think I, I, I am getting better at it because you can see now I'm more soft and a bit more of a stable person and everything. But there's still like, you know, it's a lifelong, you still have loads of work to do on yourself. You're always still learning and be like, oh, I yeah. could do a bit better. That was a bit of a dick then. And da, da, da. Like it'll, it'll continue, you know? Yeah, you'll always be working on yourself. Yeah. You know, you mentioned uh, poetry earlier because you write poetry and you've exhibited work with the Royal Ulster. Am I right? The Royal, am I saying that? Royal Ulster Academy. Yes, the RUA. Yeah. And you, you make short films. I was only watching one again this morning. Mm-hmm. And so, out of all, so you're working on all the, these mediums or media. Is that how I'm supposed to say that? John Darcy will correct us later anyway. <laughs> He's good for that. And um, many genres <laughs> spanning many genres. <laughs> which one? Which one is, does, I would imagine, because I've dabbled with all that stuff as well and still find live theatre the most exciting because you've got a, an audience. Do you, do you have a favourite? Um, I'd say probably still live dancing is still my favourite. You can't be looking in someone's eyes when they're sweating at you. There's something about it, you know. Yeah, it's magic. But I'm getting more and more into film as mm. well. Just because sometimes whenever I, um, I imagine a show, I kind of see it a bit filmic. Like I would see the promo before I see the show. Sometimes oh, it comes to yeah. me like that. Um, so I'd be interested to do more choreography for film. For screen. Yeah. Yeah, because it's a different... And so so quickly, back to the show, Hard to be Soft. Did it turn out the way you envisioned it? You say you you see a show. Did it does it did it look like at the weekend? Did it look like the way you want it to look, or or do you not get that clear of a vision? Do you have half an idea and then it kind of goes from there? No, I'd say it's sixty percent. As it like wow. I was having a fag in my yard. You know where you keep your bins? Yeah. About a year ago, and I saw it, and it was about sixty percent nearly there to what I saw. 
And the set as well, because the set was incredible. It's just the white lines. Well, in my the head, the the set was just a white was white walls, and originally the back wall is the one that should move downstage. Because yeah, I was trying to make talking about this a white yeah. monolith like two thousand one Space Odyssey. But Kieran Bagno, who's a legend who designed the set, was um, really into the idea, but also like great to have white walls. Probably really bad for sight lines, and half the people won't be able to see you dancing because you'll just be dancing behind a wall. Uh-huh. So he just kept saying, "Leave it with me," and he's the one who came up with the bars, which in the end was genius because the very beginning of the project was the end of Hope Hunt, and was me showing the boys in Hyde Bank Hope Hunt in the hope that they would get their voices recorded for me. Yeah, um, this and then is... he came up with the bars and everything. Yeah, so. that's one of my questions because you performed Hope Hunt. Hope Hunt is your for those who don't know, it's your solo. It's about fifteen minutes long. Well, it varies. It's about half an hour. It's half long an hour. Now. Okay, yeah. yeah. And you performed that in Hyde Bank for prisoners. And, and we went and we did it in Hyde Bank because it was about smicks and hoods and all. And um, I felt guilty and I felt like a fraud to be going around European theaters and showing um, art people about Belfast hoods when I live in Bangor. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I was just being a hypocrite. So I had to bring it to Hyde Bank to see if they were like, um, that's rubbish or if that was good. And they or really if they like, related to it. Yeah. They if really, they could see themselves in what you were doing. Straight away afterwards, they were like, that's about this. That's like, they just listed every concept that's in it and they understood it completely. Wow. Yeah. That's fascinating because I often think with theatre and you know, your work is about working class, isn't it? It's about working class, it's about benefits. That, that, the work, Hard to Be Soft, is about that. About yeah. like hoods and schmicks, as you say. But then they don't go to the theatre. Exactly, yeah. So what do we do about that? Well... Are we singing to the choir? Yeah, Hard to Be Soft was good. Like a couple of youth groups was brought. Um, a guy, which I don't know his second name of. His name's Chris, who I met in Hyde Bank, came to the show, which was really good. It was like full circle. I don't know what he thought of it, but at least he was there. Um, and a few other people. But in general, it was artsy people who was there. Yeah, because that's who that's So who I had a rant at the after party to loads of people about how we have to take each episode make it lo-fi and then um like I wanted to like go to Turf Lodge and do Ryan O'Neill solo in the street with floodlights and pay people in the street to come and see it pay people to come and see it I think you should pay people to come and see it do you think so yeah I think they've got like loads on their plate and they don't really who's going to turn around and say here's 16 pound for me to see a bit of art yeah it's always a risk I mean who wants to chance that money if they've no idea what it's going to be like and I think part of like broadening audiences is um, I kind of believe in a bit of brute force with that. Yeah. So um, that's on the cards. I that was on the cards to do Ryan O'Neill solo helium, isn't that what that was called? Try and do parts of it, create it that it's still good quality, even though it's lo-fi without the set and the sound. See what works because it can't be like a rubbish version because it's not in the theatre. It has to be a good version, mm. which is complicated because how do you get like portable PAs? Where are you going to get the floodlights from? Blah, blah, blah. It's a lot of organising. Yeah. But I'd be interested in doing some version of that in the streets in Belfast that they, those people weren't in the theatre and also still pushing that the Hope Hunt tour develops out of theatres and becomes a European youth detention centre tour. Wow. Yeah, that's the plan. And it's really interesting to hear that it went so well in Hyde Bank that I totally... Oh, when it. I bounced out of the car, they were all just dancing with me going, I could do that, yeah! Like, the yeah. energy off them. 
Like they don't sit there quietly and just take it. They like come with you. It's like, you know, if you go to a hip hop um, competition or yes. show or something, everybody joins it's a very in. engaged situation, yeah. yeah. So I really loved that. And hey, you collaborated with David Holmes, who has quite a cool name. I yeah. mean, he's he's all biz, isn't he? He's yeah, just he's up for I mean, he's, you know, C-list celeb, is he? Well, it was his first, he's done like so much albums and mm. films and all these different producing and collaborating jobs, but he's never composed for theatre. So that was his first theatre show. Yeah. And yeah, I thought it was really good collaboration. I thought he did a, an amazing job. And how were, and he did. The soundscape was brilliant. And I, the thing with your show is that you need to see it again. I, mm. I would love to see it again. Will it be on again? Because it's the kind of thing you need to digest and absorb and do it again. Because I keep sitting with the memories of it. Because so often you see shows and I think, oh, that was good. And I never, ever give it a second thought. Whereas I'm at home looking, I can see the imagery, I can see the movement. Oh, Neil Hainsworth yeah. said the same. He was like, I wish I had to come on Thursday. So yeah, come back I would have come a second time. Um, I don't, there's no plan for it to come back to Belfast yet. In but, May, it'll be in the Abbey. Brilliant. So it'll be on the Abbey? Yeah. Rock and roll, Luna. I'm delighted to hear that. And I've the voices that are used in it, where did you get the voices? Right, okay. So this is the real story then. So... The original voices for Lazarus was I used, I had cut up a documentary. By the way, if anybody from this documentary is listening, please call me because I've been trying to find them for a year. There's a documentary called We Bastards, question mark, which is on YouTube, which is kind of a mockumentary by a group called Not As Such Productions, um, which has loads of great audio on it, which I cut up and put to the holy music. My name's uh, Sean Lockern, 19 years old. Nickname's Lockies. Chill out with the big man, big Tommy. Big Jumbo, Schmecker. Chill out with Belfast, run about, so the crack is. And again, and then I brought that to David Holmes. Um, and I went to Hyde Bank and I recorded the boys in Hyde Bank and I brought new recordings. But the quality of the recording wasn't because you're in a you're in a gym and somebody laughs on top of someone else. You can't kind of formalize it. So in the end, the recordings from Hyde Bank weren't usable. So we went back and we used the um, We Bastards documentary again. So that so the Lazarus part is still this amazing documentary that I've nicked from basically, and I'm trying to find the people. I used to have a I used to have a girlfriend, a wee baby and all, but it just didn't work out, you know. So I had to leave and. She didn't want me out of, she didn't want me in the house, so I won't even she won't even let me see the kid anymore. And I think I think he's about six now. So I haven't seen him in a while. 
before the sugar army, that's Janie Doherty, my best friend, talking in my kitchen about yeah, life. Yeah, voice. And that was a casual conversation you had as well, that recording. It's a casual conversation from someone who knows me very well, who knows what I've been working on for a year. So it wasn't just out of the blue. She like understood what I was trying to do and I asked her questions and let her riff on it. And then the third part is a guy called Packy Lee and Lola Roddy, who are like amazing actors from here. Packy's from West Belfast, but he's also like in um, Pinky Blinders and all now. And Lola's Pinky like, Blinders, like isn't that proper called Pinky act? Blinders? Or whatever, I don't have a team. One of them fancy what shows. Are them? Fancy shows. <laughs> and Lola's like an amazing actor who's been in like loads of stuff. Who knew David? Because this is the other thing about work with David Holmes. Like, one, he's a very good musician. Two, he knows everybody. Mm. So he was able to ring them and bring them into the house. And basically, I just explained to them what my idea was, what we were working on, put two microphones out. And I just said, like, one thing to them. I was like, you haven't spoke to each other in a couple of years. You're at a wedding, so it's not actually going to kick off, but see what happens. And they just did it in one take. Wow. Because they were talking about the concept that I'd given them, but also using their own life. Yeah. Can we hear that soundscape again? Can Is there a way that, that you can release the soundscape? Yeah, so it's soft? not all planned a... yet. The plan was, right, it's all still like this. So I have to say that this also might not happen because we're still trying to make it happen, is that um, we might try and make a book with all my collage, I've made loads of collages to go with it, all the poetry that I've written for it, um, the films of the promo films that I made with Luca Trifarelli, the film of the actual show. There's possibly going to be a making of film that Cara Holmes is making, that she's been filming me for a year, making a documentary about me making it, and then maybe a vinyl of my original sound score and then also the David Holmes sound score. So we might be able to make some kind of... And then you could open up the UNA Museum. No, <laughs> open up the UNA Museum. The um, Double O Disaster Museum. Oh, my God. <laughs> on, a, on a side note, because... I will in... be selling tattoos <laughs> of my face. And... <laughs> on a side note, because I, I... Yeah, on a side note to talk about dance... In a dance, no, dance it's becoming term. all like businessy. It's so weird. What the Una Empire? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're riding the wave. But you're prolific. I mean, you're making a lot of work, and your work is resonating with people, and it's speaking to people, and people are connecting with it. So there's a hunger for it, and you're you're producing the goods, Una. Yeah. I mean, it's a great thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Good. It's just scary. Yeah. It's an amazing thing. I'm just such a lucky bastard that it's a bit scary. Yeah, but you're working for it as well, though. I think. Mm. I don't think any of this is Hannah on a plate. Like whenever Pony must, you know when Pony lifted off. So Pony yeah. was like small scale for a while, and then like then we had our moments, Africa kind of and Australia, yeah. and merch and calendars, and yeah, like, and it all sounds like bigger and fancier than it was. But I mean, it's still yeah. We, we I definitely rode the wave of it. Definitely enjoyed it. And then you do it, and you're you know you're hot you're you're hot stuff, and you you go with you go with being hot stuff. And then I just kept, you make stuff until you're not that interested in making. Well, that, and also you know, that's the way it goes. Yeah. You ride the wave and you suck it dry because in two years' time, there's going to be younger, fitter, much more original person standing yeah, behind potentially, you. Potentially, potentially. Or... But it also because I think art, dance, culture, art, visual art and all, like everyone would hate to admit it, but it's deeply connected to fashion. 
mm. and the power that fashion and vogue has on us and it comes in waves yeah so the next wave but then if you to. just keep working at yourself I feel like if you keep working at yourself you'll just keep making interesting stuff what's his name there was a clown in Dublin um He's got white hair. Raymond Keane. Raymond Keane. Yeah. I had a big existential with Raymond Keane one night and I was all, you know, like I keep getting hired to be the mad one in a dance show, you know, yeah. if they like need. Art, like Ender Walsh's exactly. art too. I saw that, yeah. You know, and then people would call you and be like, here there's, you know, there's a woman in a mental hospital. Could you play her basically and like throw yourself around? And I was afraid of but like being the one who's like glamorizing like mental violence and stuff and I didn't know what to do about it and um, Raymond was like if you're good at something just keep doing it until you become like a world expert at it yeah and don't worry about trying to do loads of different stuff yeah I mean if you're good at something be good at it and even and when it's not vogue it. and even when it's not fashionable anymore just keep doing it you're the expert on it. So yeah. are you going to be the expert on being a woman expressing mental <laughs> I don't know. That's a pretty cool know. niche market there, you know? No, I have a new idea for a new show, which I'm not going to tell you on the radio show. Okay, but that'll change the style. And podcast, technically. it's not. We're not going on the radio. Technically, we're podcast. Podcast, right. Yeah. Okay. We've got John Darcy again will correct us on the lingo there. Okay. Sorry, John. <laughs> on, a really, on a really quick side note maybe this won't even get into the podcast but um, just in nerdy dance terms mm. I remember someone before saying oh you can nearly tell where somebody was trained you can nearly look at a dancer and go oh they were trained at the place which really got on my goat yeah. and then in a nerdy dance sense I'm looking at your stuff and I can't I, that's what I love about you the most I can't tell about I, you know you're, you're physically very brilliant but it's not I obvious know, but that did you're you ever see dance trash? trained I've seen videos of trash. Because I wonder, like, Aoife McTamney, who's, like, my mate, who's an amazing singer and choreographer, was there too, and I didn't get a chance to talk to her for too long. And I wonder, would Aoife... I wonder, the people who were in trash with me, would they still see trash? Because that was something that I dealt with for a long time, because I was with trash for four years. Yes. So I had a long period of, I don't know what's me and what's trash. Interesting. And I think I've outgrown it now, but, like... I don't really believe that, like, um, you can see where someone's trained. I don't believe you, you that either. You can see that if they've never worked since training, maybe. But you yeah. can see the the jobs that people have had, the collaborators that they've worked with and who's inspired them the most. Like, I'm mad into, I think you can see Iggy Pop in me as much as you could see the place because I'm into the way Iggy Pop dances mm. or Ian Curtis. So you, I think you can see what people are into from the way they dance. And if they were into their school, maybe you can see it. But loads of people didn't really like school. No, that is true. Who, what other big influences could you list, do you, do you think you have? Ian Curtis, Iggy Pop, Francis Bacon. People always find, think that's weird because they're not a dancer. But like if like the look of The Francis, imagery. Yeah. Because it's all imagery. Dance is, is imagery, isn't it? Yeah. Essentially, it's moving imagery. Those three would be the top, I think. Um, I'm getting more into, what do you call him from? The Rolling Stones as well, especially in the 80s. Mick Jagger in oh, the 80s. I'm starting to get into that kind of like awkward Rod Stewart kind of movements. vibe too, you know, where the back is really arched and you're... I'm starting to get into kind of weird late 70s pop stars for music, for movement inspiration. Because it's so extreme the way, yeah. they hold this, the way they hold themselves and stuff too. Yeah, fascinating. Do you have a favourite choreographer? Or do you... 
I couldn't yeah, answer that question. Well, I don't have a favourite choreographer. Not um, like I haven't seen them live yet. I'm going to see them live this year, Batsheva. And I watched. I saw them. I watched. Mr. I saw them Gaga when yeah. they were in the Royal Opera House. No, I saw them at the American Dance Festival a few years ago. Did you like them? Uh, I don't really remember them. I, I don't find them that memorable, actually. Yeah, I need to wait. So until I know people I see rave them. about it, so maybe s- I missed something. Yeah, I need to see them live because I've seen Mr. Gaga the film, and the thing about film is it can, it shows you where to look and can really make it feel really exciting without being there. But yeah, there's exactly. something about Ohad Noreen. His he he invented Gaga technique. He he taught um, Hafez Schechter. Yeah. I'm not like mad into Hafez Schechter, but you can see in Hafez um, Ohad Noreen's style and everything. So I think, I don't know if he's my favourite, but I think he's the most prolific for a long time. He's changed dance, like. Yeah. Can't think of anyone else, really. Just Iggy Pop. Just watch Iggy Pop dancing. Yeah, he's pretty incredible, isn't he? Yeah. That's cool that uh, you're inspired by that sort of stuff. That the, You know, the unlikeliest. But they're just super expressive. I mean, Iggy Pop has just got a lot to say, doesn't he? Yeah, but his dancing when he does a show and his back bends and all, and he's like, he's a shaman. He's like stirring the energy and all. He's not thinking, where is my left arm? But he's thinking, I've got to get you on the vibe, you know? And he's like stirring it. I'm into that. (laughs) The thing about podcasts is that we people can't see you reenacting <laughs> Iggy Pop the Shaman. And that is a shame. Una, what excites you most? In life. Yeah. What excites me most? In I life? couldn't answer that question either. When you know, you know what ex- no, like when you see someone like just really into their own groove, whether it's dancing or something else, and they're just really honest. They're just doing their thing. You've, you've essentially described yourself there, Uno, I would argue. <laughs> and that is a perfect way to what finish. What you the most? Myself. <laughs> and that is a perfect way to finish the podcast. Uno, Dottie, thanks a million. We'll try and add, we'll try and add contact information in the links. So yes. if we bastards want to, if they recognise their voices and want to find you. Yes, her, please come yeah. and find me. We need to have a chat. And we'll, we'll include links of the work you've done the work, the work, the, the work you've just talked about. Yeah, and the good news is, it's all happening again in the Abbey in May. In May, so you can all come and see it. We'll have a big party. Yeah, we'll look forward to that. Thanks, Mila Nuna. See you soon. Bye, Lily. Bye. <laughs> Well, that was good, wasn't it? Leonie McDonough, a.k.a. Leonie Pony, interviewing fellow dancer, award-winning dancer, a really important artist right now in Northern Ireland, Una Doherty, whose show Hard To Be Soft, a Belfast prayer, was at Belfast International Arts Festival. It will be on tour, probably won't be back in Belfast for a while, but you can find out more about it online at hardtobesoft.com hardtobesoft.com, spell it out. And uh, you can also check out more of Una's work on her website. There's some really nice videos and documentation, unadohertyweb.com. And the way you spell Una is two O's, N and an A, unadohertyweb.com. So that is the end of the jewel case for this time. How do you think Leonie did? She is doing a jewel case takeover. That was her first attempt. I think it was pretty good. I'll maybe pass over the reins to Leonie to uh, have a go at another couple of episodes if she finds some interesting people to talk to. Uh, I'd also like to hear what you think. Uh, You can tweet at me 
at underscore John Darcy. That's on Twitter. And you can also get me on Instagram. You can also find out more about Leone. Just search Pony Dance on all your social media websites. The theme song for The Jewel Case is by a local band, a band based in Belfast. They're called Beauty Sleep and the song is called The Dark. Thanks to them for being so kind as to allow me to use their song at the start of each show. And once again, thanks to Una Doherty for coming on to The Jewel Case and telling us about her works. A really, really interesting chat and really happy that Una opened up about her takes on the ethics of her own art practice and arts practice in general and how her work, Hard To Be Soft, has been developed from the start with composer David Holmes. Really looking forward to hearing more of that music in the future on whatever way it gets released, or maybe I'll just have to go see the show again at some stage, which, you know, I would be absolutely delighted to do. You can catch up with all the old episodes from The Jewel Case at thejewelcase.johndarcy.com. There's an archive. We're in the 50s now, and hopefully we'll be back with a new episode very soon. Good night.